Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast, recorded for the second week of September 2020. Thanks a lot for listening to this podcast. Um, if you're in the Northwest or anywhere on the West Coast, and if you're probably anywhere in America, I'm sure you've heard about the uh, the wildfires that are going on here in Oregon. And if you're on the West Coast, um, like west of the Cascades, I'm sure you're, you've been in, inundated with smoke for the last uh, week or so, just about like uh, most of this last week, I think since like Labor Day. It's been pretty intense here. It's been uh, just smoke all through the valley and uh, I think smoke all the way down to California. Now, I guess I was just reading that there's uh, there's uh, smoke that's now uh, kind of pushed out all the way to Michigan. I think it's seen in, in a satellite photo. Really interesting satellite imagery. I don't know if you guys have been able to see that. There's also some uh, some like time lapse captures of the the satellite imagery, and it's really interesting to kind of see the uh, the changes and how the the weather was working during the period of the time where those uh, wildfires took off. But as a, a quick rundown, I'm sure uh, there's been better better news outlets than I am to give you the rundown of. Uh, the facts of the fires but yeah it seems like it's a historic amount of burn in just a couple days i think they've mentioned that it's now more than one million acres have burned and wildfires created um i think just this week but i think it's uh for like the, the oregon uh, year to date amount i think they mentioned two million acres have burned in california this year pretty significant burns. I think that's, um, at least for Oregon, I think it was double the amount that they had expected uh, for this year. What's interesting is that it's all occurred so late. I think I was even captured talking on a podcast about a month ago or so that I was surprised not to have seen more smoke in the air this year. But this year, was uh, we were kind of fortunate to not see uh, you know, some kind of fire complex build up somewhere in Oregon. There's always been you know, some circumstance that when you get out to eastern Oregon, you see smoke in the air on the horizon. You figure it's come from somewhere. A lot of the time, like when I was growing up, it came from the southern Oregon area, the Siskiyous that seemed to catch fire every couple of years. Or it was, uh, you know, somewhere, air, some place up in the Cascades, you know, kind of a remote location or somewhere up in uh, like northeastern Oregon that was burning. There's been a few fires, you know, there's fires every year. But they seem to be in like more remote remote locations, and they seem to start, you know, sometime in late June or early July, and they kind of carry on through the year. But by this time of year, you know, by by September, by Labor Day, right? You think it's it's kind of shifted into the rainy season. You're you're kind of done with the fires, uh, uh, but for those that have already started, you know, at least like significant burns and problems like that. Um, so I was really surprised to kind of see it shift over like that. But I, I uh, remember getting the emergency alert on my phone while the the skies were still clear. And I think that was on, uh, what was it, like Labor Day on Monday. And I thought, oh, weird. Wow, an emergency alert for fire. Huh. And like easterly wind. I think that's what they were talking about too. And that's really, I think, what was significant about it. And what might be underlooked a little bit in some of the... Um, though it is reasonable to assume that this is an expression of climate change, it's uh, a little bit um, of a soft answer to just kind of claim that this is just a uh, a part of climate change generally. And uh, it's kind of interesting how they do those things. But it's interesting to talk about some of the specifics of how we uh, 
how some of the things have changed over the last couple hundred years and how it's become more of a dry climate in the Northwest than it had been, I think, before the 1830s. I think if you look back to like the the historical record or you know like these weather records that they'd keep, like you hear about like um, uh, like Lewis and Clark coming over, staying at the you know up along the Columbia, and they would record the number of rainy days they had in the season, and it was just you know like a wild amount of rain that they had all the time. And I think that that, that had existed and occurred uh, up into like the 1820s and 30s, and they recorded a pretty significant drop off of the amount of rainfall that was occurring in the area. Uh, and I think that that was sort of a thing that had happened for what about 500 years? Is that what they talk about? Like that little ice age that kind of came on in? Uh, is that how it went? The little ice age? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, the little ice age that came on like at the end of the Renaissance or something like that, or before the Renaissance. Is that what it was? Maybe it got warmer then. I'm probably mixing it up, but whatever kind of weather change it was, I think it was recorded for a couple hundred years, and then it sort of started to lay off. And so on the West Coast over here, I think it uh, started to become a bit more of an arid, well, not arid climate, but I think just the amount of precipitation per year dropped by a pretty strong amount. I think uh, there was like a little bit of a, a weather change that had happened. I'm not sure how, how to what degree that that pace has continued, and then to what degree the, the man-made climate change issue has uh, increased the... Uh, the ramp up of that issue as it's changed the weather patterns over the hundreds of years that it's uh, been occurring. Um, but what's interesting about this moment and this event is that the winds normally in the west coast area here come off the Pacific and then blow eastward, uh, a westerly wind that blows toward the east and uh, kind of pushes, you know, just kind of pushes over the United States and, and then off, off the other side. You'll kind of see that through the winter as a uh, Every week, every three days, there's sort of some some high and low pressure system that sort of cycle off the Pacific Ocean and then blow over the West Coast and then off off across across the country. And I think, uh, like a lot of the time, I think in the wintertime, they call like the the Pineapple Express. You remember like uh, like the uh, the expression in that the movie that had come out a long time ago with uh, like where the West Coast here gets a lot of rainstorms in the winter as they uh, kind of come off the Pacific Ocean, they go over Hawaii or out in the Hawaii area and then swoop back over um, from a westerly position and then blow back over the west coast here. Uh, what was interesting about this moment, this uh, position, is that uh, we had like a really strong wind from the east, really living here for, I don't know, 30 years now. It's really pretty strange to have a strong wind blowing from the east. It's, it's I don't know, it's, it's, it's very rare. Um, and so I think, I'm not really quite sure what conditions happened to cause that, but I think it was some higher pressure system that was coming down out of Canada. And I think that that, when mixed with the cold, I think, or the colder air, like lower pressure system over here, I think there's a lot of wind that, that started to blow through. But I guess Monday it was just like a record amount of wind. I'm not really sure, though, because it was hot. It was hot the whole day. It was like, you know, 91 degrees that day. And uh, I remember hearing, uh, like in Eugene, there's a bunch of trees that got knocked over. I think on the University of Oregon campus, there was a big, uh, a big branch of a tree that hung out over the courtyard there, that broke off, and I think was in the in the way. I, I recognized those spots from when I was living in Eugene, of uh, of a couple areas I knew. I suppose some trees I had walked by in the past that had snapped and then fallen off uh, against a building side there, just in the downtown area. So I think they got hit pretty hard with the windstorm. I didn't notice it where I am. My uh, family in Southern Oregon, 
definitely mentioned it though and said it was uh, uniquely and unusually strong winds that were blowing out of the east on a really hot day and i think that you know it's strange to think but i think that that just that simple change of it blowing from the east over across the dry land probably being a, a drier amount of air and then now pushing on uh, fires that had already existed now in a different direction uh, i think uh, just you know really i don't know made for a, a pretty strange and kind of unique set of circumstances that would uh, create this many burns in such a short amount of time. I was thinking about, um, well, there's, an, gosh, there's so many fires, it's almost hard to keep track of. I probably won't be a comprehensive uh, list of all the information out there about the fires, but I thought it'd be kind of interesting to just kind of, kind of talk about and do a little rundown of stuff. I think there was a fire in the Talent Phoenix area. I had woke up to hear about that the next day, but, uh, that was pretty interesting. You know, being a person that had grown up in Southern Oregon, I know the the Medford area and the Talent and Phoenix Ashland area pretty well. And first, I had heard, yeah, it was a fire that was in Ashland. I guess it started in Ashland and then had merged into some other areas as it moved, I guess, north up the I five corridor. I think kind of following a creek. Is it the Alameda Creek? I'm not sure, um, but I think uh, following. Um, the I-5 corridor up toward Medford, and it really looked significant. And now seeing some of the damage of, uh, of some of the whole areas that were burned out, it's it's surprising to see like the amount of damage that can happen uh, and burn through, and then you know just be gone. I mean, I guess it's like all the fuel's gone, but it's like man, those houses were there and they are not there, and, and it was just all kind of pushed by the amount of oxygen that was coming in from um, those really strong easterly winds. The really dry conditions it's probably been you know a hundred days since we have have had rainfall up here uh, and and I'm sure other another number of other issues that have kind of occurred with it but it's interesting about this Phoenix talent fires it just sort of shows outside of um, outside of forestry conditions or you know problems either with uh, management of old timber or doing uh, doing controlled burns or whatever it might be the talent Phoenix fire is really an area that's um, just as you would see many pretty civilized, you know, it's a pretty normal, you know, park area, home area. It's a pretty populated area. It's not out in a national forest system that maybe would have been mismanaged or a wilderness area where they weren't able to go in and uh, set up roads or, you know, fire lines in the same way that they would have in another area. Um, so in this, uh, this talent Phoenix fire, what you really get to recognize is just the amount of uh, of bad conditions that the fire uh, was able to grow in, uh, or well, I guess positive conditions for the fire's sake, but bad bad for our whole population. The talent, the talent Phoenix fire is part of it, and then I think there's another fire that's uh, I think even bigger that was spotted. I think you know like uh, uh, heat rises, hot air rises with it, coals and flames and sparks and stuff, as you can imagine from the campfires and stuff. Uh, rise up in that heat and then blow over in a big fire like what we had started to experience in Ashland Town of Phoenix. I think there was a, uh, some some sparks that had gone over the hillside, like it traveled like a long way along with the smoke, dropped and then started another fire over in the Shady Cove area, and that has now burned a significant amount of land. Maybe I maybe I have those mixed up or something, but um, but I think. I think they've also now arrested a person in connection with the Talent Phoenix fire as who a person who was starting was starting a set of fires around houses. Uh, it's a weird story. I don't have all the facts on that. It seems like it would have been, I think it was a person who probably lived on the street, unsure of how they've got the motivation. 
to perform those actions. I don't know if it was just a chaos move or if they were uh, like an asset of someone else who was trying to organize it more. But yeah, it just seems like such a weird, weird idea. I guess the fire had already started, uh, but those two quickly merged and then uh, continued to burn through Talent, Phoenix, and South Medford. I think I know some people that uh, that had to evacuate their houses. I suppose like the regions are probably still safe or okay. Um, but I think that, uh, but yeah, there's a, a large number of people that had to evacuate from that fire location. Also, a lot of people in the Shady Cove area that had to evacuate uh, from their houses. That's pretty crazy. And um, man, yeah, I think they're still still dealing with that. I think they were able to, to get some of it contained. Uh, but I think there's still amounts of it that are not contained and it's still just downtown. So yeah, wild amount of smoke down there. Really happy that uh, more fires didn't uh, pop off in the hillsides and stuff there. You know, like there's a lot of land um, kind of in the in the Siskiyous as you get south of Ashland on I five as you go up there. I'm surprised some of that stuff didn't get caught on fire too. But interesting though, yeah. If, uh, if there's like an arsonist that started uh, that started a couple of these fires here in the Talent Phoenix area, that that's pretty wild. And yeah, crazy conditions with the wind and the hot weather uh, and the lack of rain that uh, that probably just really at or you know I mean just obviously I guess like self evidently now. It uh, was pretty bad conditions and definitely fire spread quickly. Um, so I'm not really sure about um, about the rest of the information about the Talent Phoenix fire, but there's still kind of more stuff coming out all the time. I'm not sure about the damage assessed or when people are going to get back to the houses to see uh, what's there and what's not there. Uh, but for places that we're taking out, it's pretty significant, really surprising. I woke up to find out the news. That was by the time Phoenix and Talent were already gone. Um, I saw like... Uh, I tuned into a live stream of a newscast down there, KOBI Channel 5. And I was watching the NBC stream. I think it's NBC stream. NBC. Uh, it was a girl who was out there. She had her tripod set up for a man on the street, I guess person on the street interview. And they were at a, a Burger King. Burger King signs in the back. And beside her, where the Burger King should be, is smoldering rubble. And that was the visual that they gave us. She tilted the uh, the tripod around and viewed, I think, the smoke coming off the creek, uh, which was pretty heavily burned. And then I think I saw like another, I think, video that was, uh, that was going around on Twitter that had been posted of uh, someone kind of panning across like a creek and tree line. And it was just engulfed in flames as it was kind of spreading up and uh, traveling pretty quickly down toward uh, toward downtown South Medford. Well, so yeah, that's all pretty crazy. Now, that's nothing. Uh, moving on. Well, I mean, that's that's a pretty significant one. That's kind of why I led with that one. There's uh, probably no order from here on out, but the Blue River uh, Vita area is now wiped out. Uh, I think uh, pretty totally is what I hear. Still pretty locked off. Uh, that's on Highway 126 as you're leaving Eugene, going out of Springfield. Uh, and I think that's sort of like the north route that you would take over. Uh, been up there plenty of times, past that area. I think that's like up by around uh, like the Cougar Reservoir and the hot springs that are up there. I'm not sure if that had caught on fire. I know that there's that covered bridge that's up there. I believe there's a few covered bridges. And I believe that it's thought maybe that 
one or two of them may have been lost. This is probably known now, and I don't know. I think I was going off of uh, an early report that was mentioning that they projected that they would lose all of the covered bridges. However, I did see a picture where uh, I think that, that, that one covered bridge that you pass on Highway 126 as you're driving up past Blue River and Vita, I think that one still is there. That one was spared, uh, which is great. But there was burns heavily on both sides of the river along the Mackenzie River uh, in that valley there. And just man, a lot of significant burning all through that section. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to try and find out and see a, a better and more clear visual of the damage that's occurred out there. I think it's a, it's also kind of confusing. There's still like a lot of haze, literally. Like there's just still so much uh, smoke and confusion. All you see is just wreckage, and it's almost unrecognizable. It's kind of weird. You know, you, your mind gets in there, and it's like I. I don't recognize that. You know, you see, you see a picture of, uh, of some area. And I, I don't know. They reported to be like a, a boat ramp or a, a lodge or something, or you know, some someone's house or car lot or something out there. And I think I probably drove it or passed it on Highway 126 sometime in the past, but uh, totally unrecognizable in the haze and the smoke uh, of just a burned out area. You see, just kind of curled wreckage. It looks like of cars that got caught on fire and. Uh, bikes or I don't know, just chairs, materials, whatever whatever was able to still stand, but really most everything is just wiped to the ground as it was for a house. Um, so yeah, Blue River and uh, a lot of a lot of that area is, is wiped out pretty heavily. I think maybe Mackenzie Bridge got out of it okay, but I think there's still a lot of damage up there and past that area and it's a real shame that it happened right through there. I think I was also hearing too that for all of these uh where the trees got really heavily burned out along the sides of the highway, I think they're going to have to cut a lot of that timber down. And uh, I guess because those trees become unstable as they burned out into the core, and then they'll topple over in the wintertime as snow comes down. I was also hearing that there's going to be an increased risk of mudslides through the winter season now, as we've had a significant burn and a lot of exposed land uh, and ash and stuff is going to get wet and then I guess break way and come down and I hear there's like a risk of you know, mudslides after big forest fires like that especially on those steep draws and right where there's a bunch of uh, highway traffic nice yeah we haven't really had that kind of experience before like I was thinking about the biscuit complex fire out in the Calameopsis wilderness that occurred first in 2002 well at least first for me I think there's fires in the past area out there but a real significant portion of that uh, whole forest area burned in 2002 i think i was probably in eighth grade or something like that and uh, that was a, a big fire i think that burned for the whole summer i saw that in the sky and that that was out in the wilderness areas out pretty distant out uh, i think i was saying out in the calameopsis wilderness it would be like uh, west of cave junction that area in southwest oregon um, and I could see the, see it really clear in the sky all through the summer for uh, for 2002 uh, down there in southern Oregon. And then I think later in 2013, there was also another fire, or maybe just a couple years ago now, there was another really significant fire out in the, the other section of the Calameopsis that had not burned the first time in 2002, and I think that also burned. 
Uh, and that was a really significant fire, too. I think they fought that for months. I think it burned for a long time. I think it spread for a long time. Uh, and that, I think, finally grew to somewhere around a million acres or something like that. It was a really significant and large area that burned. Now, really interesting, just in a day, I think they talked, or, you know, the last, like, four days, it was something like we've reached our uh, our amount of, uh, like, a million acres burned. Some of those fires had been going, I guess, since, like, the middle of August, uh, and they've just been kind of progressing slowly then with this uh, significant weather change of the easterly winds coming coming off the, I guess, the dry middle of the country land. Uh, it, yeah, just lit those fires, changed the wind, and now we're in the situation that we see ourselves in uh, now. So Blue River Fire, talked about that one a bit, just a little bit. Man, a lot of wild stories out of that one, a lot of, uh, a lot of significant damage, a lot of stuff that we're going to notice for a long time. Uh, now, further north, as uh, we kind of go up outside of the Salem area in the, I think, the Santiam River Canyon area, the towns of Lyons, of Gates, and I think up through Detroit are pretty well burned and wiped out. A lot of significant damage up there as well. Uh, been up through the Detroit area, the Detroit Lakes area. Heard about some people trying to get out of there and escape that. And it sounded pretty harrowing. Even Lyons, which is really quite close to this, the, the Salem area, it seems. I think there's uh, some pretty uh, pretty harrowing stories of people uh, trying to leave or trying to get their family out. And, uh, yeah, that sounds um, sounds pretty crazy up there. I don't really understand the, the whole reality of, of, of the fires and the situation and the results and the consequences of it yet. Um, big fire. I think that one's connecting now with the the fire that's on the Clackamas side as it goes down toward Estacada, Malala, and uh, as it comes into a section of, uh, well, I, I suppose it's not, uh, you know, it's like almost like Oregon City and like Lake Oswego in that area are put on notice as being, uh, you know, in a fire zone. I think I think it's the, the way that the district works for how they set up their, uh, their like, regional fire map. But, um, but I think, like, areas as far north or as far up toward Portland as like Oregon City were put on notice. Um, I think like a level one notice of uh, you know be ready to evacuate. But areas like Malala, uh, Estacada, a few of those other towns that are out in that area, out in those fields, uh, and then as it goes up in toward the hills toward the, the Clackamas River, got really significantly burned. And I think a lot of people had to leave uh, for that. So that's pretty wild. Uh, that one was uh, like I think both the the ones around like the Santiam River area and the Clackamas River area were both really pretty significant, and that's going to be a, a kind of a weird one to to see the recovery from. Also, um, also out in Lincoln City, out in Lincoln City, Oregon, right on the coast on the 101. I think on like the north side of Lincoln City, there was a forest fire that had started. I'm not sure if they had said that one was related to arson or not i think they had they had mentioned or maybe there's another smaller fire that i think was caught and put out that was uh that was from an arsonist <laughs> or or i don't know if it was an arsonist maybe but uh but some some irresponsible behavior that was caught and put out like I, i've noticed like some deliberate use of fireworks being reported i've also noticed like a, a lot of reports that are saying that uh it's not some like uh, grand scheme or organized conspiracy of uh, something that's going on, which uh, which you would think after, or you know, like it's uh, it's something that would cross your mind after you see the amount of damage that all occurred um, so quickly, and uh, it's kind of interesting to to see like the number of fires that were started. But yeah, this Lincoln City fire, 
put a put a good section of the city, of Lincoln City on notice to evacuate. Um, really, I think pretty scary. Yeah, I think uh, like there's a level three go now notice for a significant amount of the northern Lincoln City area, and then the the south section I think was on like a level two and level one alert uh, to be ready to leave. So pretty spooky weekend. Yeah, man, or like it was like Labor Day, Labor Day week, and the the week following is just like a pretty pretty wild thing where yeah, a good good section of the the Cascade Mountains burned, and that's where we're getting the smoke that's like sitting really heavily on us uh, over here on the west coast. And as you look at the satellite images, how it's really pushed out uh, sort of strangely over the west coast, over the Pacific Ocean, you see this big swirl of brown smoke that used to be, you know, a million acres of Oregon timber and houses and everything else that uh, that went up in smoke and then is now out over the Pacific Ocean swirling around. And then I think it's waiting for another pressure system or, you know, another um, another weather system to move through. And I think it's going to start pushing all that smoke back back over us and then back out uh, toward the east as it uh, you know, mixes in with the rest of the atmosphere over the rest of the time. But uh, I think it should start kind of blowing out maybe over this next week. It kind of depends on how long this uh, this weather pattern stays. But I suppose uh, by the time this podcast comes out, we should already be seeing like a, a bit of improvement and uh, some more some more westerly wind blowing. I think it's already kind of shifted to be a little bit more westerly, but uh, I think we're supposed to be getting a little bit of a change. I think we're supposed to get some clouds and some rain coming Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. A little bit, I think, kind of put in there. But I was looking at chance of rain during the day of being, uh, at least on a couple of those days, like uh, a pretty high percentage chance that we're going to get some rainfall. So it'll be light probably, but at least it'll be uh, in the right direction of uh, the kind of stuff that'll help the firefighters out there working right now help contain and put away the forest fire stuff that we've got going on. But, man, so I'm sure there's a number of fires that I missed talking about. I know there's like another a whole other set of complexes in California that have been really destructive uh, and really significant. I'm looking at the, the smoke and the fire damage of some of the areas that have been down there around like Lake Berryessa or Oroville or like any other, there's a lot of areas out there. I think they were talking about 2 million acres, which I maybe mentioned earlier, 2 million acres of, uh, of burn damage this year recorded in 2020. I think that's twice the average. Now here in Oregon, 1 million acres burned, which is a pretty significant amount. Also, if you kind of think of uh, maybe California being, you know, three, three times Oregon size or something, you take, you know, three Oregons kind of stack them on each other. It seems like that would be about what it would take to kind of fill up the, the length of California on the Pacific coastline there. But, uh, but yeah, a million acres, man, pretty quick to get to that number. I know we had some burns already this year, some other fires and stuff, but, man, nothing like we have had this last week. Uh, so that was, that was pretty crazy how quickly it, it moved and really, really significantly, like, how destructive it was. So, you know, there's acres of burn, but uh, it seems like some of those have just been out in pretty, pretty remote areas for a long time now. This is pretty significant as it being the in uh, a, a number of the, the highway, uh, like the, the valley and river draws that are out there, and also like the near, near like the populated sections. I mean, Medford, the, the Springfield, Eugene area, the Salem area, and the Portland area all experienced pretty significant fires right along their, uh, their highway that cuts up into the Cascades. And uh, I guess we were pretty fortunate here in the Corvallis, Albany area to be spared. Uh, up outside of the, you know, like there wasn't any fire up on that draw. Um, so 
at least in that sense, like we're uh, a little bit further away from some of the significant um, uh, heightened red alert circumstances that are going on right now. But yeah, it'd be a weird week for probably most people. You know, I was looking at like uh, one of the reports saying 10% of Oregon is forced to evacuate. I think those numbers were a little bit off or stretched. I think they kind of later came out and said, oh yeah, like the calculations probably really only around somewhere around 100,000 or maybe 150,000 people that were required to evacuate. Uh, and then I think it was probably around 500,000 people that were about to or were supposed to be on notice to uh, get things ready to leave. I think it was if you if you counted part of Clackamas and Washington County or like as it started to like kind of scooch up toward uh, toward Portland and a little closer to Salem. I think if uh, if either of those districts went from uh, well, if they either dropped into a level level one alert of, you know, get your, get your stuff, get ready to go. I think that would have been well into the 500,000 area. Uh, I guess just given how, how concentrated the populations here in Oregon are toward the the Portland area, the Salem, and then the Eugene area. And so since all those areas were hit, also with, with uh, I think all of Medford, I think it was like, you know, 82,000 people there put on the list of, uh, fig, you know, figure something out and get ready to go somewhere. Uh, so everybody go to the fair, everybody go to the Jackson County fairgrounds, all 82,000 people. I was reading another thing, classic Jackson County style. Everybody leave Jackson County, go to the Jackson County fairgrounds. Well, okay. It's still pretty close to just about everything going on, but at least it's at the North end of the Medford area. And it's kind of away from the shady Cove, white city stuff that was going on. But you can get out there. Okay. And then there are 100 beds and some blankets, and those will be kept for those people who are elderly or ill. And then your shelter that you receive is to lay on the ground. <laughs> that was, I think, a quote from one of the emergency response people was, you can come and have a spot on the ground to lay, but hey, it's shelter. And I thought, wait a second, that's not shelter. That's laying on the ground. Huh. So kind of classic for a Jackson County emergency response to, I guess, be overwhelmed, let's say. And I guess I grant him that during uh, this time as a bunch of the town is destroyed. So it's going to be uh, pretty wrecked for a long time. Man, 2020, it's great. If one thing doesn't do it to you, another thing will. Good times here. Uh so yeah, September 2020, the fires in Oregon, uh, just some of the information and experience and stuff that I've been having from here where I've been, I've been trying to kind of stay in. So I had a, a plans, right? Like, uh, you know, I kind of only talk about where I'm camping or where I'm traveling, where I want to go. And I kind of planned to do that on this one. I think I was going to go out toward the coast and then head down toward California. And I ended up uh, kind of scrapping all that stuff uh, as it was very smoky and unhealthy to really go anywhere. And I thought about like kind of trying to travel out east a little bit further, really looking at the satellite map, the smoke map, and the air quality stuff. Just about everywhere out to Montana is affected to some degree. I think it's better in a lot of places, but it's not like a quick drive out and I'll be be up of the blue skies maybe if i found a couple spots but uh it's it's pretty far so i was gonna wait for this to kind of pass or sort of shift up a little bit to get a, a little bit more of a sense of what's under control and what's not and also there's a lot of highways here that are closed down you know like uh i mean there's sections probably all over the state where there's a, a section of highway that's shut down or where it's impassable in some spot so 
it's all, I think, uh, pretty strange right now. So I was kind of hoping for that all to settle down a little bit and for things to get figured out a little bit. And then I was going to try and take off again and uh, maybe do do some more moving around then. But yeah, for the last couple of days, I've been kind of holding tight and uh, not really trying to drive around much at all, really specifically because of the air quality. You know, I went, I went down a couple of days ago to run some errands. I stopped to get a coffee at a spot that I go to normally. Came up to the window. It was early in the morning and uh, came to the window. It said, closed due to air quality. And I thought, well, I don't blame them. But yeah, it's like, wow, the fires, all the smoke in town, the particulate. I think when you look at the the air particulate, it's like uh, Portland, Oregon is the the number one worst air quality city in the world right now. I think above Jakarta and Indonesia, above, where is it? Is it Beijing that has the bad air quality? Somewhere in China has the bad air quality. And apparently... I'd hope so. God, this is pretty bad. Yikes. So, well, I, I bet it sucks over there a lot of the days, days of the year. But, uh, uh, yeah, I guess it's uh, supposed to be, like, the worst air quality in the world. If, if you look at, like, the way that that scale goes and stuff, it's been, like, up above 300 uh, a lot. Yikes. You know, like, in the extremely unhealthy range. It's the worst, uh, worst smoke and, like, worst amount of smoke all over the West Coast that I've ever really remembered. Or seen. I mean, there's been a few days where the weather changed and was kind of bad. It held the smoke low in the valley uh, that had you know normally been off for most of the summer, but uh, but it held some smoke gap really low in the valley in southern Oregon. You could drive out of southern Oregon up you know into northern Oregon here and be fine, be up in the sun, and uh, there'd be some smoke, but it wouldn't be a big deal. But down there in southern Oregon, yeah, you could have visibility of uh, you know a few hundred feet or something like a quarter mile or something like that if it was a good part of the day. But it was like that for a few days, and then finally the wind shifted and kind of pulled up out of the valley and wasn't socked in anymore. But but this, yeah, this is the most socked in and most uh, kind of long-term stretch of heavy smoke that I've ever seen. And, man, all over the West Coast, like uh, Canadian border down to California, smoked in, weird weather. So I'm really hoping that it uh, kind of starts to figure itself out. Really happy that a bunch of people are uh, – out there trying to work on it and stuff so we'll see if it starts to get better shift into a more controlled environment in the mid and later september but appreciate you guys checking out this uh, episode of the billy newman photo podcast i guess all all encompassing the forest fire situation that's occurred during this last week but thanks for kind of listening to it i know it's kind of low on facts and stuff and i'm sure there's a lot of better uh better locations for you guys to find some of the the specific details i think i was getting some, some good stuff out of the oregonian a lot of the specific small town kind of local papers have been difficult to get good information from like i was mentioning like the the southern oregon like the medford paper not many good photos or videos or articles about things that are important uh and it doesn't really give you like a good sense of what was going on. Like I was like, I think the Mail Tribune or like I was mentioning the local NBC, ABC and CBS affiliates there were doing local reporting on it. A lot of those stories really weren't very good or weren't well structured. And uh, I think kind of left out some of the information that, that would have been good to, to have, at least as part of an overview. Some good specifics of information about uh, developments of each case that are going on. So you can kind of get some more information from there. But uh, man, I'm sure everybody's, everyone's attention has been glued to it for the last week. So I uh, hope everybody is holding in there and doing okay. And uh, man, I'm sorry if anybody had to actually like uh, actually evacuate. I know some people in my family that had to evacuate. It's kind of crazy. I think they're okay. But man, weird couple weeks. So. 
go to billynewmanphoto.com if you want to check out some more information or get in contact with me. I think there's a couple ways you can do it there if you have any questions or comments about what we've been talking about or you want to know more about some of the stuff that I'm up to. I put together a, um, a 360 video playlist that uh, I think is available on YouTube. You can go straight there to youtube.com forward slash billynewmanphoto. Uh, or you can go to my website. This is what I put together. is a, uh, a playlist link that's there in the grid of icons on that front page. You click on 360, and it'll take you to a, a playlist of uh, 360 videos that were captured around Oregon, kind of showing some landscape stuff and all that. So, yeah, a collection of those videos put together, curated up, posted to the front page of the BillyNewmanPhoto.com website. You can check it out there. Anyway, thanks a lot for listening to all this information about uh, the smoke and my experience of it and the fires for the second week of September 2020. Appreciate everyone listening. Hope you guys have a great day. Goodbye.